Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast. You'll hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and writers that cover the NFL on a daily basis. The New Orleans Saints podcast starts right now. Here's your host, Aaron Summers. Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast. The Saints have their final practice Friday ahead of their 12 o'clock central matchup at Green Bay on Sunday. The injury report brought good news Thursday as quarterback Taysom Hill was elevated to a full participant and tight end Foster Moreau was upgraded to limited. Running back Jamal Williams, however, remained a DNP, which means rookie running back Kendra Miller is set to make his NFL debut as the Saints RB1. You know, it's going to be that, that uh, emotion mixed with, you know, just all the hard work that I put in that, you know, Nothing is, you know, overwhelming for me, but I feel like, you know, I'll, I'll be ready for it. Nothing I haven't seen so far, so, you know, I, I'm ready for it. Offensive coordinator Pete Carmichael said the Saints feel comfortable utilizing him in the pass game as well. Yeah, I think in the opportunities that he has had, he has, he's proven that he, he's uh, been able to get open and, and catch the ball. So I think that, um, you know, it, it, part of it was is just coming to us really with not much working that and nothing against that's just the style of offense he was in which was pretty they were pretty good so uh, there can't be any complaints but I think that he's proven to us that he can uh, get open and, and catch the ball when he's given the opportunity. Defensively the Saints are literally the best team on the road in the NFL holding teams to 18.7 points per game since 2018. The Saints overall record isn't bad either since then they are 30 and 12 which is second best in the NFL behind Kansas City. Green Bay quarterback Jordan Love hasn't made many mistakes with six touchdowns and no interceptions through two games to start the season. Overall, the Packers are five and six in the red zone, which is tied for the league lead. The Saints defense, however, is third best in the red zone, allowing only one touchdown on six trips there by the opponents. Here's defensive coordinator Joe Woods on the challenge that Love presents. Yeah, he's, um, you know, a very athletic quarterback, but he's a pocket passer. He's really not a, a runner. Um, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Deshaun, um, you know, in terms of veteran quarterback, the similar style, similar type of athlete. Um, he definitely has the arm strength. Um, he's a problem when things break down. You know, he can create plays with his feet. Um, it's a problem trying to get him down, you know, if you're rushing for. But, you know, he's young. I know it's his first year there, but you can see all the signs are there. Uh, I think he's going to be a, a tremendous quarterback. For more on this matchup, let's bring in our guest today, Saints legend and Super Bowl champ Jonathan Vilma. Vilma will be on the call for the Saints-Packers game for Fox. He also called the Packers last game at Atlanta, so he has a lot of really good insight. He joins John DeShazer and myself now. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us on the New Orleans Saints podcast. Appreciate you taking the time as you're calling our upcoming game in Green Bay. How are you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Getting ready for the game. You had Green Bay last week against the Falcons. They didn't quite hold on at the end, and the Falcons were able to take that win. How different are the Packers this year with quarterback Jordan Love? Uh, I would say the Packers are not much different. Uh, if if you're not assessing just the, you know, obviously talent level and experience, uh, Aaron Rodgers, obviously a Hall of Famer. And so he had the offense running at that level, right? 13 and three, a bunch of times 
with Matt LaFleur, and it's going to take Jordan Love some time to get there. Um, you know, if you if you want to do apples to apples, it would be good to look back at some of Aaron Rodgers' early success or early seasons, look at those records, look how he performed there, and how he got better, obviously winning the Super Bowl in 2010. So it's going to take time on task for Jordan Love to get to that level, but uh, he definitely has uh, the physical abilities, and it's a matter of now the mental and the intangibles. J.D. and I were just talking about the injuries to the line there, uh, offensive line at Green Bay. How much does that affect what Love's able to do or the Saints' ability to apply pressure? Uh, in regards to what Love will do, it it, it really didn't affect the game plan from what I saw Aaron Jones was uh, a bigger uh, factor in in uh, the Packers kind of missing a piece of their offense you know Matt LaFleur is big on uh, running the ball uh, gives you a lot of misdirection uh, changes strength motions etc and so the, and then uh, you know it's more quick game and intermediate and they'll take the obvious shot down the field so uh, to be honest, the offensive line held up. The the guys that came in, uh, I know they were shuffling at the tackle position and and at the guard position, and it, it did not look like a, a big difference. And to a answer your question about the Saints, you know, the Saints, they I, I don't really see them on first and second down defensively doing too much uh, game planning or exotic defenses or schemes. So you know, I don't think it changes the game plan for. Uh, Dennis Allen and those guys, but uh, I can see on third down Dennis Allen getting a little more creative or loading up on one side or another, uh, you know, in those third and long situations. Hey, John, how much youthfulness or inexperience did Jordan Love show in that first uh, in in that game? Because you know he's, he doesn't take a lot of sacks. He's only been sacked twice. You know, he, he hadn't thrown an interception, so he seems to be protecting the ball pretty well. Yeah, so. I, I don't see a lot of youthfulness, to be very honest, uh, because he's doing all the things that a really good veteran quarterback would do, which is protect the football, as you mentioned. Uh, doesn't take uh, too many negative plays. If he does, he doesn't make that negative play exponentially worse by turning the football over. Um, so from that standpoint, he's doing everything you want. Uh, at the line of scrimmage, he's making the checks, the proper checks. Uh, I did not see a maybe one time I saw, you know, uh, uh, a lineman or a linebacker kind of run free in, in a blitz. Other than that, setting the protections well. So he, he's doing what you want uh, for from the quarterback perspective, from commanding the offense. Doesn't look like there's a lot of uh, youthfulness or inexperience. You know, if anyone knows defense, it's you. So. The Saints defensively have been pretty stout these first two games. What stands out from what you've seen? Man, a lot stands out. I'd say the, the two biggest things would be the tackling. They have tackled very, very well. They pursue very well. And the defensive line converting from a run to pass. Uh, so you have some defensive linemen that, they may get a lot of sacks when it's all said and done at the end of the year, but they run up the field so much and they create these natural uh, rushing lanes. And, you know, no one really comments on it, but as a linebacker, we can't stand that. It's uh, the worst thing to be sitting there uh, trying to play the run. And then all of a sudden you got these big gaping holes because your defensive lineman thought it was pass. Uh, so 
one, well-coached, two, I'm sure DeMario has had many talks with all of them up front as well that, look, we're going to go from rush to pass, right? And so uh, you see a lot of the linemen, uh, D linemen, uh, that they butt up, stay in their gap first, and then convert very quickly to the pass rush, which is, you know, frankly, it's it's excellent. You don't see that a lot. Uh, Atlanta does that pretty well, but a lot of teams, you just don't see that. You get selfish linemen. So I'd say those two things really, really stand out. And then, of course, you have some tremendous players, right? You have all pros, pro bowlers uh, at every position group. So that that always helps, too, to have a really good defense. You know, John, they haven't stopped the run the way they would like to stop the run. Is that much of a concern with the way they play in pass defense? No, it's more of the scheme, right? Dennis Allen, he's sitting in nickel defense, basically. And he's has nickel defense versus uh, almost every personnel, unless you go into like jumbo uh, personnel, if the offense goes into jumbo personnel. So uh, I'm looking at schematically at what he's saying, which is we are going to be good, not great, good stopping the run. We're going to be great at stopping the pass and it's showing up every time, right? They may get a couple chunk plays here or there, but when it's all said and done, they need to, the quarterback needs to make a play and they're throwing interceptions or they look confused and, and, you know, the Saints defense is getting sacked. So uh, I think the game plan, uh, everyone understands it. No one gets rattled if uh, one run pops here or there, uh, as long as everyone calms down and they play, uh, the pass well, defend the pass well, which is what they've done. I don't know if you've had a chance to isolate on Marshawn Lattimore, but if you have, you know, what about him has kind of jumped off the page this season? Uh, his health. That's the uh, first thing I see. I see a guy that he looks healthy. He's not favoring anything. He's not limping around. Uh, he's not second guessing himself. So I, I see a guy that is very, very uh, talented, very, very aggressive. Uh, he has all the experience in the world. He knows the routes. He understands pass route concepts. So uh, I'm looking at a guy that's really just, you, you say in his prime, I don't know how many more years he has in his prime, but he's definitely there right now. Hey, when you look at this team, are you seeing kind of Dennis Allen's fingerprints or his personality you know, on this team now? I think it's getting there. Uh, Dennis Allen defensively, of course, and that that's, that, that's a no-brainer. When you think about the offense, or really to take a step back, when you think about the team, is a team playing complementary football? That That's what, what you want to see. And I always look at the, the, the totality of the team. I look at it holistically because you want to you have explosive plays. You have talented guys on offense. But does that complement the defense? Does that complement the special teams? Does that complement the situation? And if it doesn't, then I don't care how explosive you want to be. If it's not what the team is, then, you know, it doesn't make sense and you're going to have issues. So I'm starting to see a, a team that understands games will be close. It's fine. Uh, I see a team that when they need to run the football, they can, whether you put Taysom Hill back there or whatever you got to do uh, when you need to eat the clock up offensively, they do. So, uh, I'm looking at those scenarios and saying that it's getting very close to what Dennis Allen is looking for. And uh, obviously I'm just taking an educated guess, but Dennis Allen doesn't want to see, you know, six straight passes 
take off 20 seconds off the clock and then have your defense out there getting tired. Right. I think he wants to see the ground and pound. Uh, it's not as sexy as Sean Payton's offense, but it works 2-0 right now. What can the Saints do to establish that run game in their last game now without Alvin Kamara? I mean, Jamal Williams, your number two, got hurt in the last game. So it looks like it's going to be a lot on the shoulders for a running back rookie, Kendra Miller. Yeah, good question. So the first thing is watching uh, the film the offensive line, they get good push uh, at the first level. Uh, they're not in sync getting to the second level. So you see a lot of backer, linebackers, safeties kind of, uh, I don't want to say roaming free, but they're able to kind of bounce in and out of gaps. And then no one is, is you know, chipping up to that second level. Uh, so that would be the first. And, and if you handle that, you would start to see three yard gains turn into six and seven yard gains. And then, Later in the game, those turn into, you know, 10, 12-yard gains. Uh, so from the O-line perspective, they they just have to communicate better, get, get in sync. Uh, I, I don't know what the issue is of why they're not really doing a good job getting to the second level. Uh, as far as the running backs, if you want to have running backs that will not try to push the issue. Just take what the defense is giving you, take the two yards, take the three yards, whatever it is, don't turn the ball over when you you always as a defender you always love when you see a running back that's trying to do too much and they start bouncing left or right because you can run that down into tackle for loss and then now it puts you behind the sticks and it goes back to three straight passes etc so offensively for the run game uh, rely more on the offensive line communicating better getting to the second level that'll allow for the running backs to produce how big of a concern is it that the Saints haven't gotten into the end zone until the second half of the game for the first two games? From an offense, uh, yes, very concerned. You want to score down there. Uh, you want to look at the plays and are the plays bad or the execution of the plays bad? And that's what they have to decide. Uh, do you have the right guys running the right routes? Uh, you know, you got to start looking at all of those things. Uh, from a team perspective, I I would go back to Dennis Allen's kind of uh, uh, footprint on this team. I don't see that as a big concern because you have a defense that's so good. And if you're built to play close games, so be it. Uh, so, you know, you can look at it from two perspectives. Obviously, offense wants to put those points on the board. But, you know, I wouldn't say that there's uh, – I wouldn't say that Dennis Allen is really looking and saying, man, we, we, we are just – not where we need to, or I should say we are in panic mode because we're not where we need to be. Looking at this team and preparing for them, is it weird to see Jimmy Graham back out there? <laughs> uh, no, it just makes me feel old. So, <laughs> But, uh, you know, there with Jimmy uh, for a few years, we worked out together in the offseason all the time. So seeing him still going, still ticking, just makes me realize that uh, you know, football is a young man's sport, and, I, and I'm not that anymore. You still look, you still look young, young John. Uh, John, you've been in this broadcast business for a while now. Um, seemed like it would be a natural transition for a guy who like you who was cerebral as a player. But how difficult was the transition for you? you the it wasn't too difficult. I would say the the two hardest things were the first of the hardest things was to. Uh, understand that 
who my viewer is. And uh, it, it was difficult in the sense that you, I have all this knowledge, but it's not until I actually talk to a fan and, and see the glass go over their eyes because they have no <laughs> idea what I'm talking about that I realize they're, they're, we're, we're, we're kind of talking two different things. And I got to I gotta bring it down a notch, right? Bring it down like three notches, to be honest. So, you know, they're, they're, it was always seeing or talking about a play or defense, et cetera, and having to put it into layman terms but not be condescending, right? And that that was probably one of the, the more difficult things. And then I'd say the other is uh, timing, right? You, you're on the clock, right? You got, for calling a play, you got 20 seconds in between, 20, 30 seconds in between each play. And I may have seen a whole lot of stuff and there's a whole lot I want to get out, but 30 seconds is 30 seconds. So I better get it in 30 seconds and it better make sense. And, you know, you got to you just got to go with it. Right. So uh, just though I'd say those two things, really understanding that, you know, I, I cannot talk as if I'm talking to my defense or talking to coaches. You know, I have to uh, really explain it uh, and make it fun and entertaining and not be, uh, you know, condescending, as I mentioned, and then do it in a, an expedient, concise, succinct fashion. You know, so now where do you see it going? Because you're a competitive guy. Um, you're the guy who would, would talk back and forth with Drew Brees in practice, which a lot of people would call a fool's mission, but you were able to do it and carry it out. <laughs> so you're a competitive guy. Where do, where do you see it going Yeah, for broadcasting? You know, I see it going. It, it, I feel like there's been the divide is getting greater between the uh, during the week kind of talk shows about the game and then the actual game itself on a Saturday or a Sunday. And I see the actual game itself on a Saturday or Sunday where fans are getting a lot more knowledgeable about the game. They're understanding it more. And so they, they want to be educated and entertained at the same time on a Saturday or Sunday, uh, Monday night football also. Uh, and then on the other side during the week, it seems like the there is less about knowledge, more about entertainment during the week with some of the debate shows uh, and some of the you know uh, or, you know hot takes that they do, and then of course fantasy football. So you know I I see that you have the week is for it's almost like a soap opera. That that's uh that's kind of where it's going right. During the week, it's a whole bunch of soap opera, nonsense, drama, yakety yak, and then, oh, yeah, sprinkling some fantasy football, et cetera. And then uh, uh, during the weekend or, yeah, game day, you you have people that are looking and really wanting to, one, get confirmation of what they've learned, uh, and then, two, being entertained and educated some more. Speaking of which, I I hate the hot take shows. Um, but, but when we talked about you bantering with, with Drew Brees, they had that healthy banter here also with the offense and the defense with you know Demario Davis, Derek Carr. How healthy is that, or how how much does that help a team from both standpoints? Very healthy, and I encourage Demario Carr offense defense to compete as hard as possible in practice and as much as possible. Because that was always <clears throat> that that was always the reason. Uh, forget wins and losses. The reasons we would fight, and they were it didn't matter third quarter, fourth quarter, up, down. 
we would continue to compete because that's how our practices were. Our practices were so competitive that we didn't know any other way came when Sunday would come around. Uh, I go back to not only Saints days, but even my Hurricanes days, Larry Coker, Butch Davis, they were really good about that. We did ones versus ones every day, one period, because they knew we got more out of that than any scout team was going to give us. And so <clears throat> I, I always loved that Sean, he had our Friday. Well, every day we had a competitive period, but our Fridays in particular, uh, going back to the red zone that, that you mentioned, we did a lot of that against Drew. And because we could defend one of the best offenses, we felt like we could defend any offense. And that's the way we performed on Sunday. So I encourage that a lot. Just keep going, have them keep doing it because it's definitely going to pay off. You came to training camp, I think, one day. Did you see like that level of competition there? I mean, what stood out to you about the way they were practicing? I did see that level of competition. Uh, it it was a little, it was a lighter day. They didn't have on uh, full pads. But what I did see from the competition, uh, one, the older guys, I love seeing the older guys getting after it uh, with the young guys because now there's really no excuse for the young guys when you have the old heads that are getting after it, they're practicing hard, uh, you know, doing what they're supposed to do. So I always look at the leadership first. I saw that in the leaders. They were out there. They were grinding it out. Uh, and then that naturally brings the young guys around or brings them up. So uh, saw that, really liked it, 2-0. Uh, and o, So whatever they're doing has been working because last year, the close games, the Saints found a way to lose. Now the close games, the Saints are finding a way to win. So that tells me that there, there's one, it starts with the leadership, and then there's a good thing going on during practice, during the week. Uh, Michael Thomas was talking junk to Dennis Allen during the game. He said that he was trying to get him fired up. And they have like that banter back and forth. Uh, it looks like DA is kind of letting his personality out a little bit more this year. Do you think we're seeing a little bit more of who the real Dennis Allen is as a coach? Uh, <laughs> so I, I think Dennis Allen, there's Dennis Allen, the head coach. Then you have Dennis Allen, the defensive coordinator. <laughs> and I first met Dennis Allen as Dennis Allen, the secondary coach. So the Dennis Allen secondary coach that I remember is a little different than Dennis Allen, the defensive coordinator, who's also a little different than Dennis Allen, the head coach. Uh, and so I'm giving you a long winded answer to say, he he's a uh, he's a fun guy. He's, <laughs> he's a fun guy, uh, but also understanding where he is and the position he's in, you know, you you have to kind of like take a hard stance and uh, on some things, obviously. But Sean was the same way. Sean, the the offensive coordinator, Sean, the head coach, two different guys. Uh, and then obviously he came into his own uh, love playing for Sean. And I think that's the same thing that's going to happen with Dennis Allen. You know, he started off real rigid, real stoic. Uh, you kind of have to be that way a little bit. Then you start to implement a little bit more of your personality. But you just can't start off that way. If you do, you don't know how your team will respond. Right. You know how your team will respond if you stay stoic. Uh, discipline, rigid, et cetera. You don't know how they'll respond if you start giving, showing a little personality. And so uh, it's good to see that he's taking this approach and the team is responding. Mm -hmm. You got to see the Falcons last week. A lot of people are talking about the NFC South coming down to the Falcons and the Saints. 
is a couple games away. I don't think we see him until like November, but what makes them the biggest threat to the Saints in the division? The Falcons and the Saints are eerily similar in their style of football, the brand of football they want to play, the coaching, and the discipline. If you look at the Falcons defense, obviously Nielsen was with uh, the Saints for a while, but the Falcons tackle very well up front. They are good at stuffing the run. Uh, they also stay in a, basically a nickel all day long, uh, and they have really good secondary play. Offensively, you have a run game that is really good. Uh, when Kamara gets back, you can equate Kamara and Bajan Robinson as you know similar type players, uh, similar type skill set, explosive nature. And then the offensive line, they get pushed, they get movement, but they also can give up sacks. Uh, off on the skill positions, I see it. Uh, I don't know who has an edge. You know, one could argue one way or another, but um, at the receiver position, the edge would go to to the Saints. Tight end position, edge would go to the Falcons. So you're looking at a team that's very similar. And then you now obviously go back, go down to quarterback play. And I don't, I don't know who's better or worse for their system. Their car obviously has been phenomenal for 10 years or nine years, whatever it is, but Ritter fits their system and he's doing what they need him to do. You go down 12 points in the fourth quarter and you win the game. That's not a fluke by the quarterback at that position, right? You just don't come back on a team down two scores and win the game in the fourth quarter. Uh, and, you know, on the flip side, Derek Carr, when you need him to get the ball down the field, he does that against the Panthers. They get a touchdown and, you know, kind of put the game away. So, that that's why they're uh, it looks like they're going to be the most uh, formidable opponent they're built the same the toughness is there for for both teams and you know you, you look at the falcons have rushed for over 100 yards in like 18 straight games now if you can do that you are controlling the clock you're controlling the football you're keeping the game close i mean that's a tough out for anybody you know, john you played with drew obviously so there are few if any comparisons to him but Derek Carr has made a couple of clutch throws down the stretch of the of the first two games where he's, you know, when he needed to make the throw in the fourth quarter or third quarter, he's made that throw. What does that do for a team confidence-wise when you've got a guy who you believe can make that throw when you have to have it? It lets you know that you're always still in it you, and it, you always have hope. Uh, and I remember he mentioned Drew Brees. Drew Brees could throw three interceptions in one game. It did not matter. We always felt like we had a chance with Drew and we were going to win the game. And so when you have a quarterback, Derek Carr, throwing, making uh, clutch throws, it just gives you that boost every time defensively and the players on offense that you say, man, we're just a throw away. That's it. We're just one throw away from either being in the game, winning the game, whatever. And so when you always have that hope, you know, it feeds through the rest of the team. And then that's where you always have this, you know, down but not out. Just keep it closed, battle it out, fight, because you know you're a throwaway. With this game coming up, what's the key for the Saints to get to 3-0? and It would be the same recipe formula as the last two weeks. Uh, the Saints have done a, a good job of creating pressure, takeaways, uh, defending the pass very well. Uh, limiting the opposing offense. And with that, 
you have the offense that, again, plays complementary football, uh, trying to run the ball, uh, extending the drives, uh, not trying to have, you know, three straight passes, four straight passes. Uh, that looks like that's the formula for the Saints. And uh, if they do that, find themselves uh, as the previous two games in a dogfight, again, one throw away by, by car, and you find uh, yourselves in, you know, a red zone, goal line, get the touchdown instead of field goals. That's the recipe for them. Do you have to make predictions or anything on games? Uh, you know what? I do not. Uh, it wouldn't be worth much anyway, to be quite honest. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously you're picking the Saints to win this game. Uh, actually, I don't know who I'm picking to win this game. Just watching the film, it, you, you have a Green Bay team that looked really, really efficient. Uh, first three quarters of that Falcons game, really efficient. Defense was playing well. They were giving up some rush yards, but they were playing well. Uh, so if I'm the Packers, you know, I, I, I'm Matt LaFleur. I look at the first three quarters and say, all right, guys, this is who we are. Then you look at the fourth quarter and say, this is also who we are. And then you decide who you want to be. And then if you want to be the first three quarters, then let's go out, practice that mm -hmm. way, execute, you know, all the coach talk. And so I, and they also have talent. So it's, it's not like they're not talented over there. So yeah, that's going to be a tough one. We'll see. All right. Well, we look forward to hearing you on the call for the game this weekend. We appreciate the time. Awesome. Thank you guys. Thanks, John. Really good stuff from the former linebacker turned analyst. And don't forget to check out the Saints pregame and postgame show surrounding the game Sunday on NewOrleansaints.com, YouTube, or Twitter slash X. Have a great weekend and go Saints. Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Saints podcast. Join us three times per week on NewOrleansaints.com, the Saints mobile app, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Saints podcast.